You're listening to The Byliners, presented by The Gateway. (laughs) All right. Hello, hello, hello. It's the week of January 11th, 2021. It's a new year, and you're listening to The Byliners, presented by The Gateway, the University of Alberta's student-run magazine. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Tom DeKezzi, the arts and culture editor at The Gateway, and I'm here with The Gateway's opinion editor mitchell pollock hey all happy 2021 uh hope hope holidays have been better than the entirety of the last 12 months dang <laughs> I, I'm, I actually know but like the first three months of the 12 months are okay i feel like January. that's true I, yeah that, leading into maybe the the nine months then it's yeah. uh maybe mitchell's last 12 months are just shit um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm also here with uh, with the Gateway's news editor, Kadra Ahmed. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Hey, Kadra. What time no see, girl? Um, and um, I'm not going to say it's a special guest because we've had uh, we've had Adam on here before. Um, but we also have the Gateway's editor in chief, Adam LaHatch. Hello. Thank you for having me again. Welcome. Nice to have you, Adam. Uh, yeah, so for any new listeners to the Byliners um, who don't know really what this show is about, um, it's a weekly podcast where uh, we react to the week's biggest headlines in news, pop culture, uh, U of A news. The podcast itself actually debuted in November of last year. Um, so if this is your first time checking out the show, make sure to look up the older episodes in the archive, or you can even listen to the Best of 2020 episode, which was released uh, last week, which is kind of a few highlights from the best episodes of the year. Um, that being said, 2021 is a new year. I think the podcast is now roughly two, three months old. Um, yeah, so there are plans obviously to expand the podcast, to grow it, uh, in 2021. Uh, we're hoping to include things like, uh, listener questions, some more like interactive engagement, uh, games, which, uh, we're going to see the debut of today. I don't want to give that away too much. Um, uh, probably keep an eye on the gateways, Instagram page, and also obviously our website, uh, for byliners updates, but also updates on everything we do here at the Gateway. Uh, so that's kind of the introduction out of the way. Um, I know we've had byliners episodes the last two weeks, but I think for us, it's actually been about over a month since we last recorded. Um, since then, a lot of stuff has happened. We're going to talk about some of it. Um, the biggest one, I think, like in our own personal lives is Alberta went into this like more intense lockdown. Um, that kind of happened. How, how have you guys been doing with that so far? How have you been dealing with, uh, or just what's happened in the last month? Like, how was the holidays? How was the lockdown? Different. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think that's the one word I could use to describe it. It's definitely different to spend the holidays like just exclusively with my parents, because that's that's what I did. I live with uh, I live with my lovely parents, uh, Gerald and Gwendolyn. Uh, G- Gerald and Gwendolyn, and it was it was a great holiday, but it was definitely a bit different. So it was a lot of a uh, lot of uh, watching TV, writing, uh, and reading books, and it was it was actually pretty re- rejuvenating, though I will say. Damn. How about the rest of you? What did you guys do for the holidays? complete silence <laughs> Yo, y'all didn't even read a book at least mitch read a book nobody even watched tv, no, watch TV. I, I just thought my story was very boring uh, that's all <laughs> I, I i caught up on new yorker magazines i'm an avid 
what? subscriber. Ooh. Yo, and you pay for this? Actually, no, I shouldn't be surprised. Everyone, you should pay for magazine subscriptions. <laughs> That's the only normal thing to do in uh, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> I mean, if you want the future of journalism to continue, you kind of have to give those monetary dollars to a few organizations, yeah. you know, but... I, I did not know you were a New Yorker one. guy. Oh, oh yes. I love the New Yorker. Sorry, sorry, Tom. Go ahead. No, I just said I, I thought it was an expensive one, but I guess like I don't pay anything for it. It, it is, but it's also like I think you get the most value out of it because yeah. it comes on a bi-weekly kind of schedule. And it's really cool because a lot of the times with magazines, they're written months ahead of schedule. Whereas with the New Yorker, because it's so it's published so regularly, you get this almost sense of uh, regularity and you still get that current events outlook that you wouldn't necessarily get in a magazine with that said though it is quite the commitment because it's like a 70 to 90 page magazine every two weeks and so um i i can barely do my academic article readings and those are like 20 pages a week <laughs> it's yeah. like so it's a lot but i caught up on that that was kind of the holidays for me <laughs> Yeah, before they, before they put the paywall up on the New Yorker, and I used to go to their website a lot just because, like, they have the animations and they kind of mm. take a different approach than other other newspapers because they like a little more humorous and they have more comedy in there. And I'm like, I liked them for that reason. Yeah. Well, how about you, Kadra? What did you do over the holidays? What did I do? I slept a lot. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I slept a lot. I spent a lot of time with my family. I introduced my sister to The Matrix, so I Yo, started I watching was those with me. Yeah. Really? This 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 break? Yeah, like I've never what seen them so now. Um yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like this goth it's just like a celebration of yeah. goth. <laughs> doing karate. Yeah. I was like, all right, this is what we're doing. It was good though. Like yeah, I enjoyed it. That's the essence of it, right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, not the computer, not the computer world, not the matrix. It's the no, golf man. aesthetic. The duster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard the matrix described in that way. I love it. I love that fresh perspective. <laughs> a celebration of golf, March, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's funny. My sister didn't realize that it was Keanu Reeves. I guess she's never seen young Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this man? He's so cute. I was like, that's Keanu Reeves. You she's know, like, what? I will be honest and say I had no idea Keanu Reeves was in the Matrix also. What? I thought Keanu Reeves. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it fully, but I've seen like clips of it. I, I recognize the person's face, like in like Keanu's face in the Matrix now, but like I thought Keanu Reeves' big first blockbuster movie, this is quite embarrassing, but I did think it was Star Wars, like for a long time. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Stunned. Wait. <laughs> I like. I only found out that he was in a bunch of shit when I saw John Wick three. Cause I, oh I got God. dragged. I got <laughs> dragged along to John Wick three on like an awful like quintuple date once. It was it was a unique experience. No, that's an um, odd number. It was it was very weird. I was like, I was it was. It was I went to buy it, um, but. Um, it was like I hadn't seen the first two, and I was like, man, Keanu Reeves got a whole like 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 spinoff from star wars like just like from his one role and all my, everyone i was with was like um no that's not what happened yo i didn't i didn't know he was in star wars 
Yeah, and, and like a spinoff. Yeah, and the spinoff. Oh, I've only yeah. seen like him in The Matrix and Speed with Sandra Bullock. And like... Oh, Speed is such a good yeah. movie. Ooh. Right? A lot of his old stuff. I know this isn't like good. a Matrix podcast, but I remember like when I was when I was watching The Matrix, I I genuinely couldn't decide whether or not Keanu Reeves was a good actor. And I'm like, did anyone have that feeling watching? I was like, I don't know if this guy's good. Like, he's not bad. He's good. But sometimes it's just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I'm doing that. It's part of the gom aesthetic. Part of the gom aesthetic. No one in the Matrix shows a lot of emotion. I'm just, now I'm thinking about it too. Everyone's kind of just like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, I watched the Matrix. I did Indiana Jones. Um, Marathon 2, because I love Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, just chilled. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, mine was pretty standard, too. Like, I, my brother, it was just me, my parents, my brother. We just kind of hung out a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember leaving my house. Like, I left my house a couple times, and it was always, like, this, like, revelatory experience. Of like, yo, there's, there's still a world out here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I know I was talking to my brother, um, cause you know, like everybody had a really solitary Christmas and, and he mentioned, did you guys watch, um, the press conference? I think it was last week where Jason Kenny described his Christmas. I haven't, I saw, I've seen a lot of clips of that press conference, but I haven't seen that section. No. Yeah, no, I didn't actually see it. My brother, he, he's the one who like sent it to me. Um, and obviously like, I know like there's been a lot of criticism of Kenny, like in the last decade but um, <laughs> um but i he was like describing his christmas and i think like the quote here is like i've had a very solitary christmas the only person i have in alberta is my 83 year old mother who i've only had drive-by visits with since since december i remember i heard that and i was like oh man, that's kind of sad man i'm just imagining like jason kenny sitting at home alone um over the holidays i guess it's kind of a situation a lot of us were in um I guess not everybody in the UCP cabinet. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I just love the emotional trajectory that we went through right there. You know, like this slow, like, oh, solitary Christmas, you know, drive-by visits with Jason Kenny's 83-year-old mother, and then all of a sudden, boom, just escalation. Oh, my. Honestly, you know, if Kenny didn't want to spend the Christmases alone, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of Albertans would have appreciated him visiting Dina Henshaw every once in a while and actually oh doing God. the vaccine rollout in a time. <laughs> but, yeah, man. You know, that's... Uh... It gets lonely in the Sky Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Dude, it's funny. Have, have any of you been a... in the Sky Palace? No. I have I a lot of... Yeah. I have, so I Wait. used... To... I have a few friends that are political staffers that have been, and they. I've had friends that have actively tried to defend the Sky Palace to me. It's like wild. Some of like, <clears throat> I, yeah, it was the most wild thing. They were like, if people knew what Allison like went through, I was like, no, no, ma'am, no, no, Mary. Have Have you been yeah. in the Sky Palace, Adam? Though I'm curious. No, I've I've always wanted to go, and like every year, Budget Day is in the federal building, and mm-hmm. the Sky Palace. For for those who don't know, was. 
Uh, a bit of, uh, okay, I don't mean a bit of a political scandal. It was actually a large political scandal <laughs> that kind of tanked uh, an Alberta Premier's career, Alison Redford. Uh, what was that, like five, six years ago now? Uh, 2014, yeah. 2014, holy, yeah. oh my God, I feel old. But anyway, so um, she decided to build this on top of uh, a government building at uh, on the Alberta legislature grounds, uh, this swanked out um apartment suite or collection of suites essentially to have as this penthouse uh right by her office uh right on the government ground so she would have no commute um and use taxpayer dollars to do it and then to have her daughter come in and move in with her <laughs> obviously Alberts found out and it wasn't uh <laughs> the greatest idea ever <laughs> very tone deaf especially at the time when uh we were still recovering from kind of an oil crash and a lot of Albertans were losing jobs. So her caucus lost support, or she lost the support of her caucus and she was booted out and another progressive premier or progressive conservative party premier came in. But um, no, I've always wanted to go to the Sky Palace because on budget day, it's in the, every day the budget lockup, when you go to cover a budget, you're locked in a room essentially for the whole day until you know um, the, the budget <laughs> is released. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> it was but, only for you, Adam. Only for you. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, you're locked in this room to make sure you don't leak the documents that you're seeing as you're preparing your story and asking questions of um, government you know, officials and things like that. But anyways, it's in the federal building. And I've always thought that, you know, what if we just snuck up into the Sky Palace? Because it's only on like what the 20th floor of the federal building. We're already on the 11th, just sneak into the elevator. But I guess now I hope no one, no government officials listening to this podcast because they're never going to let me into budget lockup. But. Uh. <laughs> Honestly, actually, the real talk is, is there was, because um, during the NDP's reign in power, they, they rarely used the Sky Palace, mm -hmm. but they did use it for meetings and for the occasional media interview. So I think it was, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Catherine Grigelski for Alberta Today, who's a great um, reporter uh, who covers provincial politics. I think it was her. She mentioned she had an interview with a minister once in the Sky Palace. And I was like, where do I sign yeah, up for that? Yeah, I want that gig. <laughs> right? Like, uh, that would be so funny. Um, I bet the view from up there is just spectacular because yeah, that's probably the, insane. you can see probably the River Valley in its entirety or or most of it. And then you can probably see like even the U of A and just like a sprawling Edmonton in all directions downtown. Like, man, I that would be a swanky pad to live in. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that Alison Redford was caught, but um, damn. <laughs> I mean... You get what you pay for, I guess. It's, uh, yeah. it's um, a lot of <laughs> what we pay for. Keyword: we all pay for it. Yeah. Now I, I used to work at the legislature for a while, like as a page. Um, but it, yeah, it was when the NDP were in power. So but, yeah, we never like we did like every day we'd do like these runs to the federal building to distribute documents, and sometimes we talked about it like, yo, you think we'll, we'll get to go to the Sky Palace? But <laughs> but yeah, we, like I don't think any of us got invited. A few of like the older pages who had been there um, before before the NDP came in, I think they'd been to the Sky Palace a few times. Um, but yeah, it's not something I never got to. But Kenny's there right now, so at least someone's putting it to good use. Um, yeah, for, for good context for listeners, yeah. that came out this week as well. Uh, was <laughs> Kenny's been spending Christmas alone. Uh, 
but also, um, the legislature in Alberta is undergoing some renovations, so he's moved his premier's office to the Sky Palace, which has received some criticism online because uh, the Sky Palace has largely become a symbol of entitlement, progressive conservative entitlement specifically. Yeah. So, like Alberta's Versailles, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Well, I think uh, we're going to get to um, provincial news a little bit later. Um, I guess in terms of catching up, I, d- I did want to ask everybody, uh, this ep- episode is going to be coming out on January 11th, which is the first day of the school year. Um, how do you guys feel about going back to classes? I know it's going to be... Are you guys all, all doing all your courses online or do any of you have any in-person? All no. online. Dang. Same Z's. So what's, uh, are we thumbs up? Middle ground, thumbs down about going back. <laughs> Mitch's thumbs down. I, you know, I'm thumbs up, man. I got one class. I'm taking French. I might fail it, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, I'm not necessarily like like hating the idea of going back. It's just that like I I'm someone that loves school. I love university. I really do love actually. Nerd. Like I I'm a huge nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if I could stay, if school is free, I would stay in school forever. I would just get every single degree humanly possible. Uh, and then I guess just do student jobs the entire way through. <laughs> but um, uh, I, um, uh, it's just our, our, online schooling so different. It's quite hard for me to get pumped up about it. It's a very different mindset. I, I, I miss seeing everyone's lovely faces in person and uh, getting my, my lovely coffee from... Um, the coffee and tea company in Hub Mall before going and studying in Rutherford. So hard mentally there. That's not a paid promotion. At least as far it as is as not. <laughs> it is not. That is true. They they can get free promotion from me. I adore that place. How about the rest of you guys, Kadra? Adam, how you guys feel about going back to classes? I'm gonna echo like Mitchell sentiments. Like I'm excited because I'm taking like two cool native studies courses, mm-hmm. but I just like doing school online. It's just not for me. Like it's just not my cup of tea. I need to like have a routine to leave the house, and I'm not good at saying those things for myself. So it'll be another semester of um, procrastination. But at least I get to stay home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do any of you feel as though, like, you know, whenever it is that we go back to doing stuff in person, like, you almost won't even be prepared for that? Like, I think of, like, how many bad habits I built up over the pandemic. And it might just literally be, like, you know, when, like, astronauts come down from, from space and they can't walk? <laughs> they just, like, fall into the... <laughs> like, that might be me. If you tell me, like, oh, you mo- like, Tom, you have a class at 10 a.m. It's like, I'm supposed to be there by 10? <laughs> like, how do I do that? <laughs> I can't just hit snooze for an hour. <laughs> It's like that's, I have to leave my house at like before nine thirty. Like I don't know how this works, <laughs> but yeah, like, I feel as though a lot of us are just gonna be like totally unprepared for in person learning whenever that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Adam? Uh, do you have any classes? I know you're EIC, so busy. <laughs> but it's it's actually my last semester at the University of Alberta, so oh. I'm looking forward to the fact of being done. Um, So it's my last three courses. I left a a 100-level elective, so I'm doing an anthropology class about race and ethnicity in Canada. Um, I'm doing uh, my last history seminar um, with one of my favorite profs. And then I'm just doing one more requirement uh, for my political science degree, a a 200-level. But um, 
I don't know. I, this last semester was just a terrible experience. <laughs> it was so <laughs> isolating. Um, yeah. And also, you know, maybe it's just me. I don't know if like other people have stories like this, but just like um, I had some profs who were really welcoming and who were very understanding of kind of the COVID situation and learning from home. But I just had this one prof who was incredibly um like disingenuine in terms of their efforts towards like accommodating people. And it wasn't just me, it was other people in our class too. Um, we kind of started a support group. Um, oh, was it on like, Discord? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just through Messenger. I guess I guess that's old school now. Um, but you know, like there was one class, it, it was an attendance-based class. So 30% of your grade was determined if you were there in, in person or online, you know. Uh, I wasn't a it was uh like live, it wasn't asynchronous. Mm -hmm. And there was like one time where like my internet literally crashed and um like I, I messaged her using my phone data and being like, hey, like, <laughs> I don't, I have like 0 0.02 gigabytes left on my data plan this month. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to join the class. My internet, you know, crashed. And then this prof was like, well, you're not getting marks for this class, even though I had been there for already like half of it. And it was just like, and that was like my experience. And uh, there were other students who had terrible experiences. And it's just, you know, sad to see that like this is, Kind of the reality that some students are facing um and you know maybe it's just that one bad apple i don't want to paint the the situation with a big brush but i'm finding it very difficult to uh get amped up for this semester um especially since how i have like a, a seminar class which is based on you know research and presenting your research and um having peer edits and um, having conversations and, and all that. And now it's going to be so weird. I can't even imagine doing that on Zoom. Um, you know, it's going to be so different. Bad, yeah. bad news, Adam, again, is back, I guess. <laughs> I, know, I think that's... <laughs> That's so realistic, though. Like, honestly, Adam, Adam ruins everything? Is that I, I know! <laughs> uh, I know, I just, yeah. I strongly feel like you're not alone in that, though. I hope you, like, I think that's just such a, sadly common experience i've had too many of my friends and like like other people that like are contributors to the gateway talk to me about their experience with online school and like some of the stuff profs have done like and i mean like um my friend had a real big nightmare story that i can't um fully disclose i won't say what institution she goes to but she had a professor who um someone literally lost their job and almost lost their house and they uh, her professor told them that that wasn't an, ex an extenuating circumstance enough to to warrant an extension on a group project what? <laughs> insanity she had to go through and like actually get it challenged by a department head which is like oh like and so it's like it's like honestly um i've had profs ask for compassion it's on my course where it's like oh like we're learning this this is new and i think that's 100% fair i just really hope that profs can actually Sure, that compassion back with students, because like a lot of us, like none of us are really experienced with online learning either. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. there needs to be accommodations. Yeah, there's definitely a spectrum in terms of in terms of the kind of profs you get, and it's almost like who like whatever a prof was in person does not give you any guarantees of what they'll be like yeah. online. It's almost like this is a whole different prof. Like some, I know some people. Um, like who would profs who I used to have, and I thought they were great, but online they're absolutely mm -hmm. horrible. And then other people, I guess, maybe, maybe they blossom. I don't know. I haven't heard about any props getting better online, but maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, 
yeah, so I guess uh, we got a lot more of that to look forward to. We're going to another three months of, <laughs> of, of online school. Yippee. Um, hopefully this is going to be the last semester. Uh, fingers crossed for the vaccine. That, that works out. But um, I did want to get to the headlines. So like I mentioned before, um, it has been over a month uh, since we since we last recorded um, a new episode of of the byliners and a lot of things have happened in the last month and i was hoping to go through some of them this uh this week i think the biggest one which we cannot avoid um is the capital riot that happened last week on wednesday january 6th so like i said uh the byliners we premiered on november 3rd so the day before the u.s election and in a way the u.s election is still going on somehow um so <laughs> on it's never gonna end <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so to give, uh, to give a little bit of background to listeners, um, last Wednesday um, was the day that the Senate was supposed to certify the Electoral College results, um, I guess proclaiming Joe Biden as president. From what I understand, it's usually like a pretty ceremonial like procedure. Like I'd never even heard of it until now. Like it's not something which is usually <clears throat> in the headlines. Um, but um, I'm sure everyone at this point has heard about it. Uh, there, Trump, he held a rally on January 6th. Uh, pretty much repeating the same things he's been saying the last few months about how the election was stolen, um, is massively fraudulent. And then he encouraged his supporters to uh, march towards the Capitol. Uh, and once they got there, uh, they just went full MAGA. Um, <laughs> and um, they began rioting. They breached the Senate. Um, there were five people who were killed. Um, I think on the day of, I think three people were announced dead, but uh, since then, on Thursday, a Capitol Police officer passed away. Um, one of the rioters, uh, Ashley Babbitt, she was shot and killed the day of the riot. Uh, and three other people died due to a med- medical emergencies. I know at least one of them was uh, was due to a heart attack. Uh, I think most people have called this, I guess, one of the one of the more shocking incidents in in modern U.S. history. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Like, just your initial thoughts on it, or like, do you remember what were you thinking when you saw it? Um, what have you thought about it since then? Dang. I'm, well, okay. <laughs> oh, which one you want to go? Well, I, I mean, I, I can't. I, I, yeah, I, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, yeah. I can't. I, I think I, I can't speak for everyone here, but I think the vast majority of people were beyond surprised at just the images that came out. Yeah. Like, I can remember. I was on the phone with a friend when I originally saw the images when I just turned on the TV to literally just see CNN up mm-hmm. <laughs> like for a quick second and you could just see Trump supporters like like overflowing on the Capitol like like obviously having overwhelmed um, uh, Capitol Police and Capitol Forces uh, and then just seeing um, seeing people on the Senate floor honestly like and seeing yeah. and hearing news of people being evacuated like I'm going to be really honest and say I was extremely concerned for the health and safety of key democratic figures like specifically Nancy Pelosi who is um in the Capitol and who um I think has been made a target by QAnon conspiracy theorists over the mm. last like several decades honestly um and it was it was quite frightening to see and I don't really know how how to mentally like fully unpack that, but at the same time, it's odd because it, it I shouldn't have come as a surprise in some ways. I mean, Trump has been spewing authoritarian rhetoric since before he was even elected. You know, he stood on stage at his one of his 
the, the presidential debates in 2016 and threatened to jail his political opponent. He yeah. refused to say whether or not he'd accept the election results then. Like, this isn't necessarily, sadly, surprising. I think it's the natural end point of, well, I mean, end point, I think it's the natural evolution of Trumpism. I'm scared to see what comes next because he's still president and there's still people that are lined up with him. And I'm, I'm very angry because in some ways, like, you know, um, as much as it was depressing to see the images coming out, like, I think I'd be lying if I said some of the Republicans haven't essentially let QAnon theorists run the Senate floor for the past two years. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was pretty surprising to see people like, you know, be on board with Trump for five years. And then now there's two weeks left in his presidency. And it's like, nah, nah, now, now I can't stand for this. Now this is unacceptable. Like in, in a weird way, Trump has been the most consistent person over the last five years. Like this is this is who he is. Like he hasn't changed <laughs> even a little bit. Um, but just now you're waking up to it. Um, I know I was listening to I'm trying to remember what podcast it might have been a uh, real talk, but he was talking uh, Ryan Jesperson. Mm. He was talking about how uh, like some of the photos which came out of it, like maybe might be some of the most iconic pictures like for the next couple. I don't know, like century, like you're probably going to see them in textbooks, like a dude in a, in a, in like goat horns um, in the Senate mm-hmm. chamber or people sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office or someone walking away with the dais at, uh, with the Senate dais. Um, I know like for me personally, I think it just kind of, it wasn't really a, a surprise, but it just more so confirmed like a lot of things about, about, about the state of, like, I want to see the U S but, but obviously we've seen some of those same ideas here in Canada um but i know like even mitch like you mentioned they overwhelmed the senate police um but that might even be kind of generous like i saw like like i don't know if you guys saw the videos of people taking selfies with uh with capitol mm-hmm. police officers or people like literally opening the gates themselves the police officers not doing yeah. anything i heard they weren't really armed or prepared and they were like even given orders to not shoot and i know a lot of people compared it to like the blm protests over the summer mm-hmm. which were like mostly peaceful but people were getting arrested, like thrown into unmarked vans. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was a big surprise, but it was kind of like, yeah, this is this is like if you could take the U.S. right now and just like condense it into three hours in Washington, this is <laughs> this is exactly what it would be. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like my mom and I also turned on CNN to like just see what was going on, and the first thing we saw was they were moving protesters like down the stairs of Capitol, and there's this white lady, and she's holding the hand of a riot police. He's helping her down the stairs, like each yeah. step. And I just thought that was just like it's so illustrative of like what people are saying, like the two Americas, like. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, we see police here helping this like lady who is trespassing, who, you know, shouldn't be there. And he's helping her down the stairs because apparently she can't walk down the stairs by herself. And then we have peaceful protests, like, and people are, you know, getting shot at with rubber bullets and such. And, mm-hmm. Or like, I think back to like, so that really bothered me was like, um, Elijah McCain, like they had a, you know, a violin memorial for him and they stormed it and flew riot gear and started pepper spraying people. Yeah. And so I just think that like people who, you know, are, um, who defend police and, you know, say that there isn't race to play. Like, I don't even know if you can even like argue that at this point when police like, are literally moving barricades and telling the protesters to like go ahead like go you know so like it just yeah. uh, that really bothered me like yeah 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 i don't know i think uh i'd like something obviously wanted to specify when we mentioned i think i mentioned it before is like even though we we do see in the united states i think a lot of people have talked about how 
you know, Canada isn't immune to these ideas. I think even since since uh, since the Capitol riot, there's been rallies even here in Alberta. I know there was some in Red Deer. There was I think there was one yesterday on Jasper Ave. There was like yeah, a whole bunch good. of people there with uh, with some MAGA signs and things like that. And like, okay, you know, you, you can have your politics, whatever, but like, there's nothing lamer than being a Canadian Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's not your president. No, but I just mean in general. Like I'm, 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 I'm a Canadian. I, someone asked me, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or anything. I'm just a Canadian. But if you're like, I'm a Canadian Trump supporter, he's like, he's not your president, not even a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think, I think what this, when I was reflecting on what was happening, um, I think what what this incident really showed is that the past five years have really played out like a reality TV show. Yeah. And we have this dangerous obsession of um, this character that is Donald Trump, because when you look at him, um, he, he isn't who he portrays himself. He plays a character. He knows how to incite people. He knows what to say to get people angry, to press their buttons, to move them and spur them into action. And that's what he's been doing these past five years. He's been testing the lines. He, you know, uh, with all of the scandals that have emerged, he has been testing, what can I get away with? And finally he, you know, incited this riot and it's all because people have been buying into this reality star who is an exemplary supposedly business person mm -hmm. um, who's made exemplary business deals, who has done so much for the United States um, and who would be this amazing president and who would be an anti-establishment candidate. Um, all of that is completely false. And, you know, what this riot uh, showed is that these past months of, of discourse of, you know, we need to critically analyze institutions of power, um, how policing is conducted, that all of this has been, unfortunately, the latest episode in this reality show that has been um, the latest five years of American politics, and that this is just, it was a fleeting moment. You know, the Black Lives Matter protests spurred um, uh, some conversations, but that's all they were. They were conversations. And you look at, you know, uh, I, you know, in my other side of life outside of the gateway, um, you know, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I haven't sold my entire soul to this organization, but, um, you know, when, when you look at, um, you know, a building like the Capitol Hill, um, you there's layers of force protection and it's all about uh, prevention and uh, de-escalation before an event happens. And so to see the fact that there were flimsy barriers, to see that, um, you know, Associated Press released a story a couple of days ago, how the National Guard had put in requests saying, hey, look, we're picking up this social media chatter. This is going to be big. Uh, do you want our help? And see Capitol Police say, no, nope, we're going to be good. This is actually not going to be anything. Um, and for them to not plan for this, but yet you don't have to go very far back to see how even before the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, fences were being put up. Yeah. Um, you had all of these layers of force protection. Um, and yet now this happened and none of that occurred. And it just shows that you know, these past couple of months, really nothing has changed. And unfortunately, Trump has started to erode away at what it is to, you know, at these institutions of power. And he needs to go fast before he does more damage. Yep. Well, 
the saddest thing still is I just I I get so angry and I, I wrote a column about it in the gateway this week. I just get so upset over the people that enabled him to do this over the past yeah. five years. Like Trump would not have been pop made possible if it wasn't for an establishment that I would be hesitant to say welcomed him, but that once he had support, they didn't stop him and they did nothing to to actually try and circumvent any of his authoritarian tendencies or any of the actual threats to democracy he's historically posed. Um, and neither has a lot of other people, you know, like there's been a lot of applause for Twitter and Facebook this week for like removing Trump from their platforms. Um, I'm sorry, like where, where, where was this account suspension like literally two months ago when he was using his like actual account to sow seeds of discord about yeah. the election results? Like, I, I would love to know where the responsibility was for Facebook years, like for Twitter and Facebook years ago, when there has been, like, when Trump has been sowing this discord and sowing this rhetoric for multiple years and also breaking their, their like, actual, like, standard policies that they would have pulled for any other user. And all of a sudden, Twitter and Facebook get a wake-up call because they realize that violence is, violence is real and they had a hand to play in that. And same with Republicans, you know, like, um, Kelly Loafer, who's the Republican senator from Georgia that lost this week, originally went in um, to Wednesday's uh, vote prior to the uh, the riots ready to object to the election results. And then after the election results, like after the riots, after the riots occurred, she decided that she had to change her position. And it's like, well, honestly, what you're saying at this point is that you didn't realize your actions had real consequences. And I think it's extremely dangerous that you have an entire nation that's arguably one of like supposed to be the most shining example for democracy in the world which like is arguably been debatable for decades before this yeah. but is what the world takes them for um it's a two-party state and one party literally let like honestly welcomed this for years like and it's it's really hard for me to wrap my head around that and see that that's will that go anywhere like i don't know if this is really the end point considering 74 million people voted for him like only two months ago yeah yeah it's definitely clear like trumpism is alive and well i know adam you touched on it even but but like it's you also can't like ignore like the fact that race played into it obviously um you know the majority of the of the mega rioters were were white um and like obviously it's easy to compare it to the black lives matter protests over the summer i know i saw someone say it was a really poignant thing it was like um um they're responding to like the picture of the guy with the goat horns in the senate chamber and it's like to get this far without being killed is like the definition of white privilege because like i just i can't imagine a guy a black guy dressed up as a goat <laughs> running into the senate <laughs> um and making it out of there alive um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is obviously a developing story. There are still, um, just under two weeks of a Trump presidency. Um, I think he's announced that he's not going to be at the inauguration, but, uh, Mike Pence is, I guess, kind of a symbol of the division, even within his own administration. Um, there have been talks about, uh, about the 25th amendment being used or possibly being impeached. Uh, who knows how that's going to go. Um, I imagine Trump is going to be, is going to be a figure in, in American and world politics, for at least a little bit after he's he's out of office. Um, but I wanted to go to a uh, more local story, which we missed over over the break. I remember when this was breaking, I actually was was kind of like dejected that we weren't able to come on the podcast and talk about it. Um, but some people are referring to it as Aloha Gate. Um, this is, I guess it's almost like a nationwide pandemic in Canada because uh, it's not just Alberta. But <laughs> across the country, uh, Canadian politicians are being busted 
um, for traveling uh, in the midst of COVID-19. I think like the first big one that came out was uh, Ontario's finance minister. Um, when news came out that he went to the Caribbean, I believe, and, and he eventually resigned. Um, but since then, I know I was reading a Huffington Post article just this morning, um, and it was updated on January 7th, but I counted 19 different Canadian politicians um, that had uh, had traveled during the pandemic. Alberta led the list. Um, if I just wanted to read it like out for we you always guys. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go big and go home. Um, uh, so in Alberta, <laughs> we had uh, the former Municipal Affairs Minister, Tracy Allard, and uh, MLA Jeremy Nixon, and two press secretaries vacation in Hawaii, um, Je- uh, Jason Kenney's chief of staff, Jamie Huckabee. Um, this one was wild because he circumvented a travel ban to the UK by flying through the US, which seems very intentional to me and very aware of what the travel restrictions are, but I don't know, some premiers would beg to differ. Um, MLA Jason Stephen Stephan went to Arizona, MLA's Pat Wren and Tony Yao, Tani Yao, uh, went to Mexico, Tanya Fear went to the US. Um, uh, conservative MP from Calgary, Ron Liepert, flew to California twice during the pandemic. And uh, this one recently came out, but Nahid Nenshi, uh, the Calgary mayor, his chief of staff and, and administrative assistant, they also traveled to Hawaii. Um, I know a lot of people had a pretty like visceral response to the news when it broke. And then um, even more so when Jason Kenney came out on January 1st, it was New Year's Day, right? Yeah. Yeah. When he came out on January 1st and he more or less went to bat for the for, for all these ministers um, and MLAs said like he didn't properly explain um, the travel restrictions to them and it's his fault for not being clear to them. Do you guys do you guys buy that? That press conference was absolutely disgusting. Um, I don't think there's any other way you can put it. Um I remember, so New Year's Day, I remember waking up and, you know, I had a, a, a pretty decent New Year's Eve. It was very subtle, very different than the normal partying I'm used to. But, um, and I remember, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I- raves at- <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to party. <laughs> Adam, but- <laughs> I'm, I'm requesting I see a photo of you at a rave <laughs> post-pandemic yeah, now, to be honest. Oh, Adam's dude. parties look like a capital ride, man. Every- <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Everything right, not right, like that. Oh, no. Animal skins crashing. Um, there's no goat horns, I promise. I That much I I can yeah. say. But also no anyways. flags. <laughs> oh, hell no. Um... <laughs> oh my god where was i going this all oh, right okay so yeah i remember waking up and seeing that jason kenny had media availability and i was like oh my god like i am this is frustrating that um on a statutory holiday the first day of the new year here we go the roller coaster begins uh and so i decided i made the mistake of tuning in and watching the the presser in full and when he first came out he started talking about how it's our role as Canadians to support Canadian businesses. And he name dropped WestJet being, you know, this whole pandemic, we've been propounding as a government safe travel, uh, which is hard to believe uh, that that's how he started. That, that was the first tone he wanted to give off at this press conference, that this government had supposedly been pressing safe travel on 12 Albertans, which I definitely, I don't agree with. Um, The provincial government's website still says there is a travel advisory uh, against non-essential travel. The U.S. border remains closed to non-essential travel. So already my I was starting to my I was already like, oh, my God, this is this is terrible. And then it kept 
uh, devolving. It kept getting worse. And I couldn't imagine, I just was flabbergasted that this, this is the direction he chose to go. Um, I guess it was because his chief of staff was away uh, quarantining and wasn't able to advise him against this type of um, press conference. But anyway, so then he decided to make a difference, to spell out the difference of public health advisories are advisories and there's no legal action that can be taken if you break them because it's just an advisory based on expert advice from medical officials, the chief, the office of the chief medical officer of Alberta and best practices around the world. Legal orders, uh, so, you know, are different and those have a backing and they actually have backbone to it. And so now he's spewing very dangerous rhetoric in the sense that he's pointing out the nuance between these two things, which is dangerous because now if any public health advisory is published, people are going to be like, well, Kenny said an advisory is just an advisory. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Um, oh, can we swear on this show? Sorry. I didn't. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, OK. <laughs> it's the best yeah. part of the show. Someday. All right. OK. <laughs> so there was that. And, and I think that that is a, one thing that's not being talked about enough is the dangerousness that that precedent is setting is now that Albertans have been alerted to the fact that, oh, a public health advisory? Yeah, it's it's an advisory. Who cares? Like, we don't have, it's not a legal order. We, we can circumvent it. Um, and then he went on and then he started defending their actions and saying that, you know, um, I didn't spell it out. I didn't make it clear enough. And for an elected official to say, oh, I didn't make it clear enough to my staff that this is unethical behavior, that this is unacceptable. Um, that's absolutely disgusting. I mean, you are there because Albertans have put you there. We are, are paying your salary. We have, uh, I mean, I didn't vote for it, but people have elected you in and now you are the representative of Alberta. And for you to stand up there and slap every Albertan in the face by saying, you know what, the public health orders, um, it, it's okay. No one actually broke the law here. And for him to suggest that, you know what, as long as if laws aren't broken, um, it's ethical. Uh, that is a dangerous precedent. And I think if I was a UCP caucus member, uh, a backbencher, I would be very, very scared with that precedent that's being said. But then he went on. <laughs> he didn't stop there. He then flat out lied to Albertans by saying that he was not aware of this travel when in legal, like in the parliamentary system, you cannot have a ministry without a minister. There has to be a chain of custody. There has to be a chain of command. And we've had uh, Thomas Lukasik, a former deputy premier uh, under Alison Redford. That's ironic. We were talking about it earlier. <laughs> um, you know, there were other Canadian politicians and former politicians from Alberta and around the country who, you know, affirmed this is that, if someone ever travels, whether it's for work, uh, for MLA business, whether it's for government work, or whether it's personal time, because they're allowed to go on holidays, not in a pandemic, <laughs> but, you know, there has to be a chain of custody. And so there's a document that is signed saying that this minister is leaving for said time. This is their contact information, where they're going to go, their itinerary, so that they can be reached at any point in time. And then a, a, an acting minister is appointed to look over that portfolio. And that document is then distributed to the deputy ministers of both ministries, the ministry with the minister gone, and then the ministry who uh, the acting minister is now taking over for. 
And then that is sent to the chiefs of staff, that is sent to the party whip, um, that is sent to the premier's office. This is a, a, an actual convention. And, and Rob Ford has said that this is, uh, he, he initially said that he had no idea that his minister of finance traveled. And then a couple of days later, he came out and said, you know what, actually, I'm sorry, I lied. Uh, Ontarians, I'm very sorry. I knew about it because I signed this document. And so for Kenny to continue to say that he's not aware of this, this is uh, an egregious lie. He lied to every single Albertan. Um, and to me, that is that that is why this press conference was so disgusting. But anyways, I've ranted enough. Um, it just, it, it, it flabbergasted me. And I was like, that's the tone we're starting 2021 with. That is the tone. Oh man, you know, everyone was saying 2020 was the bad year. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the roller coaster continues. Well, that's the thing. And also like, I, I, I think some of us now have probably seen the memorandum to cabinet that Adam is referencing. It got circulated on media sites that has a very clear showing that, you know, it shows it's, you know, my name's Tracy Allard. I'm taking personal time from X, Y, and Z. Here's my signature, Rick McIver, um, the current minister of transportation will be taking over my duties. And so it is just a, a egregious lie. And I think it gets to, well, I think Adam's getting at what I think, honestly, I'm most frustrated at is like, as well, we're not most frustrated, but one of the most frustrating things about this has just been that, you know, also if you're gonna come out and take responsibility, like just take it. like. Like, don't come out, like, I don't think anyone, like, I think a lot of times politicians think that they can be really clever and come out and be like, oh, you know, like, like, this happened and I take responsibility. Oh, but, it, it, like, it was promoting our economy because we, like, helped WestJet and it was, I, like, yeah. like, and no one wants, like, people know an excuse when they hear an excuse. No one's interested in excuses for this. I think if the Premier had come out on January 1st and had actually just been upfront with Albertans and said, you know, I take responsibility. This was a failing on my part. At the very least, though, my elected official should have known better and there will be punishments, as he did. To, like, like a, only a number of days later, I think it would have been a much different reaction, but it's the fact that how are you going to say you're taking responsibility when you're didn't when you claiming that you didn't even know where your cabinet ministers were um, or where your chief of staff was? Like, I, like, and, like, just to really underline to listeners, a chief of staff is arguably the most important figure in any premier or prime minister's first circle in Canada. Like that is not just like, you know, cabinets make decisions, but the chief of staff is someone who is personally appointed by the first minister. They're often the most trusted person like in that whole administration. Um, and like really like I, I, and this was also said on um, Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson, but I think it's a good point to drive home as well. Is even like, let's say Ken, you know, it, Kenny clearly knew where they were, but even if he didn't, what signal does it say to, like, does it send to people that you didn't know where your cabinet ministers or chief of staffs were? Like, what office are you running if that's the case, where cabinet ministers can just travel on a whim with what I would assume likely would be government documents, because a lot of them were working from Hawaii. Um, like, what does that say about the actual security and integrity of the Alberta government? And, and you know, Kenny is the type of person who is very much type a he wants to know everything he is the definition of a micromanager like if you were to open the oxford english dictionary you would see next to micromanaging a picture of jason kenny is that a short joke adam 
<laughs> but you know this is a guy who wants to know every single thing he is very much involved in messaging he is very much involved in everything that this government puts out and so for him to suggest that he did not know there it, there's no way he did not know um he he wants to know everything and so this totally goes against like it, you know uh i remember there was one time where he was at the university of alberta um at a conservative club's um mixer and and a, mm. and a speech event and uh, and he gave a, a talk and whatnot and i remember going up to him afterwards for an interview and he's like oh is the lighting good and i'm like well it's actually going to be for a newspaper uh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is this is a guy who's so concerned about you know his his reputation his looks and everything and and how his message will come across and so for him to suggest mm -hmm. that like oh you know what i didn't know um it, it's balderdashed in my opinion yeah well and then to get into what did happen um is adam is not the only person that feels that way uh which was made very clear over the weekend um so this was happened on new year's day um on the friday um and to be clear to listeners too this happened after um in ontario their minister of finance who also took a vacation resigned um uh so there had already been a precedent set in another province that people resigned so um with that president set, uh, Albertans were angry over the weekend. Uh, it was an absolute um, outrage to many Albertans that none, none of these ministers, when Kennedy first came out, got any punishments. Um, they saw it as hypocritical. That was a lot of the comments I saw where um, uh, a lot of people were comparing him to the arrogance of the old progressive conservative governments. And then um, old government ministers started coming out and disavowing them by themselves, you know. Um, uh, there were a few PC cabinet ministers who contacted columnists. Like, I know in Dob Braid's column, I can't remember the exact cabinet minister's name, but a cabinet minister called a columnist up to say, you know, I supported Kennedy and I'm withdrawing my support. Um, there were members of constituency associations of the UCP resigning. Um, and so after this whole weekend of backlash, what happened was he, Jason Kennedy came out on Monday anyways and released, he released a statement on Facebook. A, he didn't come out before media. He didn't come out anywhere where he could actually be questioned. Um, uh, but he announced that his minister, um, Tracy Allard, would be resigning. Uh, he announced his chief of staff, Jamie Huckabee, would be resigning. And he announced that every single backbench uh, MLA that had like had partook in, in travel would be stripped of their committed roles and responsibilities uh, within the legislature. So... It's it's clear that this is politically damaging because no politician just comes out and does that afterwards. And it's it's a serious misstep for um, someone who's supposedly one of the best conservative strategists, which, if anything, I think this pandemic response as a whole has blown apart. And, yeah. and the worst part now, sorry, sorry. Tom, no, 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 the, no, worst, no, no. the worst part is now is that the, this pandemic is still ongoing. I mean, the vaccines will not be widely available to people at the earliest estimates, you know, fall of this year. And the worst part now is that we have to continue to abide by public health directives and orders, but yet this government has now built up this air of, well, you know what, is my travel essential? You know, like this, this, this person went to sell their house in BC. Is that essential? Is my trip to see this person essential? And the fact that this trust and this, um, the system has sort of been broken. Um, that's what's concerning because now any hope of a pandemic 
being uh, alleviated. You know, this healthcare system in Alberta is already facing an immense challenge. And now, you know, we, we saw the, the mayor of Edmonton, Don Iveson, come out after this scandal arose and, and pleaded, literally, like, begging uh, Edmontonians and Albertans as a whole to still follow the, the yeah. orders and directives that were put out by provincial health authorities. Because, you know what, we're, we are in this together, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, as much as I don't like saying that and as much as that is uh, a colloquialism and as much as that is now this common saying that everyone just kind of throws out, um, that might not mean anything now because of the scandal, but we need to rely on each other to follow the directives, to do our part to, to stop the spread. And I just worry what the consequences of this will be in terms of the spread of COVID-19. And this might actually prolong the pandemic, you know. Um, and, and that's the saddest part is that, you know, yes, there's a lot of um, concerns about precedent and, and governmentality concerns and things like that. But the worst part here is how many people are going to die because of this? Because someone is going to be like, well... Uh, the premier said essential travel is uh, is subjective. It means something different to everyone. Yeah. And I thought mine was essential. And now how many people are going to lose their lives? Uh, how many people are going to get COVID-19 and have to live with the, the side effects of this disease that we don't know about fully yet? We don't have that full comprehension. And and that to me is the worst part is, is that this, the effects on the pandemic as a whole. Yeah, I think it's obviously like the bar now has been set so low. Like you think even of uh, which is Tracy Allard, right? Who she said um, like the reason she yeah. went to Hawaii was for like a family tradition. It's always been a family tradition to go to Hawaii, and like you know, obviously it sucks to not be able to to partake in a family tradition. But the reality is, a lot of people have had to cancel family traditions. But now if it's like the bar is literally, it's a family tradition for us to do this, that, 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 which circumvents COVID uh covid advisories or whatever well i i guess it, it, it might not really apply apply to me and i think like, like adam touched on it this makes it so much harder for the people who have been following the restrictions and like who ha who want to make sure that these these things stay in place because now people have these leaders that they can just point to and say well like if the rules don't apply to them why did they apply to me but i did want to move on to um this is more of a local story i guess kind of a heavier one um, it's actually why I had Adam uh, on the show today. Um, but this past week on January 8th was the one year anniversary of the downing of flight PS 752. Uh, so for anyone who maybe uh, isn't super clear on the details, this was a Ukraine International Airlines flight from Tehran to Kiev, which was shot down shortly after takeoff from Tehran by the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guards. Um, all 176 passengers and crew on board were killed. Um, including 55 Canadians and 30 permanent residents. Um, 13 were from Edmonton and, and 10 were members of the U of A community. Um, as of now, as far as I know, I might not be totally uh, in the know, but I think there's still no clear reason as to why the plane was shot down. Um, it was initially blamed on mechanical failures, but the Iranian government later admitted to sh actually shooting it down uh, a few days after that. Um, since then, uh, there's been concerns about the investigation being conducted by the Iranian government, um, harassment of the families. Um, there's been a lot more coverage um, on the impacts of the U of A community on the Gateway's January issue, um, which is going to be coming out, uh, which the theme is resilient communities. But Adam, I know you spoke to a few of the affected, uh, affected members of the U of A community. 
um, like what are some of the things that, that you've heard that you heard from them, I guess, a year on from from the actual disaster? Yeah, um, I will never forget uh, January 8th, 2020, um, eight days into uh, this year that will forever live in infamy because of so many reasons. But um, I remember uh, being woken up to a call uh, about uh, 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning uh, from our editor-in-chief at the time, Andrew, who uh, said that there was a, a horrible incident in Iran. There was a plane that crashed and that there's been rumblings on, on social media that there's likely University of Alberta members of the community on board. And so we immediately <laughs> began a, a fact-finding kind of excursion. And uh, quick, very quickly, we found out that, yes, there was a, a large portion of people on board that were, had U of A connections. There was a lot of Canadians on board. Uh, I remember receiving a copy of the flight manifest, and Andrew and I were going through it name by name, um, looking at the U of A directory, looking at um, student mailing, uh, student lists, and, and, and just confirming, and then having to call and verify that. And then we, we, we published the story eventually later that day around 10 or 11 a.m that uh, there were 10 people on board uh, with U of A connections. And uh, I'll never forget that day. That was the hardest day uh, in, in the Gateways newsroom for me uh, and as a, as a journalist or, or aspiring journalist. But um, yeah, one year later, um, this story is continuing to, it, its heartbreak has not ended and I don't think it will end anytime soon. Um, I spoke with all of the families that are here in Edmonton uh, who have, uh, who, you know, who were victims of this, this horrible tragedy, uh, that their innocent loved ones lives were, were forever taken away. Um, and there's, and like you said, Tom, there's still no clear reason why this happened. Um, obviously there's a lot of context and things like that, but, uh, one of the things that, uh, I quickly learned is that, you know, the, the initial kind of spirit in the fight for justice has not gone away. In fact, it's gotten stronger. And there's a, a very strong association of families of victims uh, that has emerged. Um, and they are really, really pressing the heels of the Canadian government, um, you know, the Ukrainian government, the regime in Iran, uh, to, to get answers. You know, they're, they're having regular meetings with the uh, Transportation Safety Board in Canada. Uh, they're having, uh, you know, campaigns to push Iran to release more information, because really, uh, this tragedy. The more you learn about it, the more you read about it. It's incredibly harrow. It's a harrowing tale, and it's like a worst case scenario. And so many things went wrong in order to lead up to, um, you know, two missiles fi being fired upon. Uh, this commercial plane uh, that was flying in commercial airspace um, just outside of an international airport and 176 people um, losing their lives forever. And so it was, uh, you know, that story is online on our website of uh, some of the reflections that I spoke with of family members and uh, other kind of leaders in the community here at the University of Alberta and how their experience was like on, on January 8th, 2020. Um, and it's, it's, it's such a sad story. Um, words cannot describe the, the loss that the families must have gone through and that they continue to go through. And I think that, you know, this is one of the things that gets lost uh, in one of the dark sides of journalism is that, you know, as news journalists, we are so good at, at getting to the scene of a breaking news story, of covering it and, you know, um, 
dedicating time and resources to get to the bottom of a story when it's still topical or contemporary. But then all of a sudden, as time goes on, you know, we kind of forget about it. And yet these victims are still living through the same horrors, the same, um, this, the, some of them have not been able to move on from January 8th, 2020. And it, just to hear their stories and their experiences was, is heartbreaking. Um, I was at the, the candlelight vigil on, on Friday to celebrate or to commemorate the, the one year anniversary, the somber anniversary. Um, and I spoke with uh, Javad Soleimani um, who lost his wife Elnaz on, on the mm. flight. He's a U of A student as well. Um, and it was really funny because initially I just approached him to converse with him. Uh, and he's like, do you want, do you want an interview? Do you want an interview? And I was like, well, actually, if you feel comfortable and he's like, um, absolutely, you know, it, I, I feel comfortable and I, and I want this because I, I want people to know uh, that this isn't forgotten about. And it's, uh, it's sad. You know, I, I remember looking at kind of the news coverage in Canada on, on January 8th, 2021 of this year anniversary. And, you know, there were some pieces run, um, but there wasn't any, you know, major kind of coverage of this. Um, there wasn't a, a major effort by a lot of newsrooms to really kind of uh, reach out to all the victims to talk about this. And, it's just sad because uh, as I was standing there at that candle vigil, um, you know, there was, you know, about 90 to, to 110 people there. And um, it, it's just sad because a, a, a year from there, when I was, when we were covering the same vigil that happened at the Alberta legislature, there were thousands of people um, and not just people from the Iranian community, but people from all over Edmonton. And it, it just this 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 you you get this feeling of dread that you know maybe this has been forgotten, um, and so I'm so glad that the gateway has done so much to try and remember um, these victims and remember these innocent lives that were forever taken, um, because this is such a a terrible tragedy that occurred and um, you know aircraft and tragedy investigations take so much time, um, and you know. There's, there's some tragedies where you never get the full picture, you never get the full answers, but yet the families, um, the, they're still caught in the crosshairs and uh, they still have to find a way to, to get up every morning. And um, I hope that people remember that and that, um, you know, as we're talking about COVID-19 and this pandemic, there's so many other news stories that need to be told too. Yeah, yeah. I know, um, like this, this, uh, the the crash or the downing, um, it happened like a few months before I know I was hired at the gateway. I know Mitchell, you weren't hired yet. Um, I remember hearing about it, but I guess just as a student. Um, but Kadra, I know that year you were a staff reporter. I was wondering, like, do you do you do you have any memories of like what it was like, I guess, um, maybe covering the story or what it was like the newsroom when that first broke? Right. Yeah, I remember, I think I woke up that morning. And I saw an article on the CDC that I put in the news channel, but Adam was already <laughs> on it, of course. Um, but I remember, Adam didn't share this, but I'll share this over And If you're uncomfortable, Adam, you can take it. Oh, go ahead. At Nash, Adam had to write, um, you had to update something in the article, I believe, or did you write a new one? I, couldn't, I can't. 
Uh, I was just updating, yeah. Right. Oh, and like so national at- listeners, just to explain, it's the national. I don't know what it stands for, actually. <laughs> uh, to be honest, Nash doesn't actually stand for anything, as far as okay. I know. It is I'll literally say, oh. just <laughs> the, the name of the National Journal uh, Canadian University Press Conference for for student journalists. Okay. All right. All right. Moving hey. on. <laughs> Right. So, you know, we're there to, we were there to, you know, do some journalism stuff, to socialize, to party and such. But I remember Adam had to update that article and he told me that like, he, you know, he spent the night like crying about it. And it's just, yeah, it just really touched me that Adam was so, you know, I didn't cover it. Adam covered it. This is his um, story to cover and talk about. But I just remember that and him telling me about that. So, yeah. I appreciate that story. I know uh, Adam's Adam's a tough guy. Um, and sometimes I guess we forget that, you know, he's got a heart. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Adam. Yeah. I think, Adam, you, you made a good point there when you're talking about, I guess, the nature of, of, uh, of journalism. And I guess it's natural for us to kind of think about that perspective. But yeah, where it's all about breaking news, it's all about what's topical now, what gets clicks, what are people talking about, you know, story breaks, and you're like hustling to get the, the first article out or be among the first. Um, but yeah, like a lot of a lot of these things affect people for the rest of their lives. And, and this is a, a really good example of that. Um, and it's easy for people to forget that, you know, there's still families that are left behind by this. Um, like we said, there's still families that are looking for answers to this day. Um, I think it's important to know that like the Iranian government is not being cooperative. Um, there's been stories of uh, government officials like pretty much hijacking funerals um, back in Iran, uh, cyber attacks on websites set up for uh, for victims of those lost in memory. There, there is a, an active cover up going on. Um, so I, I think it's, it's important for listeners um, listeners to be aware of that, and not forget that you know this is this is still very much uh, something which is in progress and, and, and still affecting people um, to this day. Um, if if you uh, if uh, any listeners want to, I guess, see a little more of the Gateway's coverage, um, you can go to our website right now. There, um, I think there's a few articles on our front page, um, just written by uh, Adam and other members of the team, just uh, revisiting some of the families, um, seeing how they're doing. Um, and also, I think there's a, a photo story. No, am I wrong? There's a, a, a in memoriam piece where we have yeah, photos yeah. that were graciously provided by family um, members uh, of every single victim of the the flight that was connected to Edmonton, the 13 Edmontonians that were lost. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's on our site as well that you can see. Um, and it'll also be in our January issue of the magazine once that's uh, released later this week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, make sure everyone to to keep an eye out for that. Um, if you just want to uh, learn more about the families and, and everything that's going on, but um, but this is definitely a story which uh, which we should keep in, in our hearts and minds. Um, I think just yeah, for years to come, it, it's 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 uh, the biggest tragedy I can remember in my time at the U of A, um, affecting our community. Um, so I don't want to seem uh, disrespectful going moving on to I guess a more lighthearted topic, um, but. Uh, it is the debut of the first ever byliners game. Um, I, th- I thought it would be fun to, uh, to, yeah, just incorporate something different to the show. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we, we enjoyed reacting to headlines and talking about, about, uh, about the biggest things happening in pop culture and news and new vein news. Um, but sometimes it's just, uh, it's just 
good to have some fun. Um, I came up with this game yesterday. I was kind of frantically putting it together this morning. Um, I didn't have the time to think of. Uh... Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, I guess. I just... Yeah, if listeners don't know. Kadra's actually like right, like knitting. Are you knitting or crocheting? What is that? I'm knitting. It just keeps my hands busy. I. I, I... Just really, I, um, I, I thought Kadra was just getting ready. I just, yeah. No. Get ready I'm for listen- what? <laughs> for the game, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe Kadra has insider information. I don't know, man. Yeah, I no. don't have the Devil's Playground or something. Exactly. Yeah. Devil's <laughs> 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 No, dude, bitch. That's an actual what quote. What are you I, saying? I Wait, is that yeah. actually a quote? Yeah, it like, is I, a quote. Yeah, Idle Hands of the Devil's Playground. I did not know that. I thought Tom made it up off the top of his head. No, no like, what? <laughs> no, that's something I heard like going to, going to Christian school. Yeah, man, keep those hands busy. <laughs> keep them busy. Um, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> not to go too far off topic. Um, so I did come up with a game today. Um, I didn't have time to think of a name for it, so it'll just be Tom. <laughs> it'll just be Tom's game. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Uh, I think at some point I'll cut it. I'll cut in some game show music, so you guys won't hear it now, but maybe on the on the on the actual recording, it'll be there. But to introduce it, um, 2020 was obviously um, a pretty wild year. Um, I know we're in 2021. Some of you want to leave 2020 in 2020. Um, but we're going to resurrect it uh, just for this game. Um, obviously, a lot of crazy things happened. There was the pandemic. Um, there was Trump. There was protests. There was elections. Um, there was a lot of headlines which people thought I could never have imagined reading anything like this in 2019 or 2018. This almost seems made up. And so I kind of wanted to put that to the test uh, for this game. So what I did is I've compiled a list of headlines, um, all from 2020. Some of them are, these are real headlines that appeared on uh, reputable magazines. A few of them, like, like I'm not going to lie, the sun is in there a couple of times. Um, <laughs> the British sun. Um, Shots we, fired. But but anyway, um, these are all real headlines. Uh, actually, no, they're not all real headlines. I, I, I uh, mistook there. So these are all headlines from 2020. Um, some of them are real, but others are taken from The Onion. If you guys don't know about it, The Onion's a pretty <laughs> famous um, parody website. It's kind of fallen off in the last couple of years. I think a lot of people say because it's like, how do you make a joke? Out of out of out of life, which is already a joke, <laughs> like like the punchline. No, but no, but honestly, oh no, no, I'm not talking about like my life personally. I just mean like everyone's life. <laughs> the onion got tired of covering your. <laughs> yeah. The fact you had to specify that, Tom. No, no, yeah, I'm not saying my life is too big of a joke. For the onion. I mean, like you know, someone like, this, like like obviously using Trump as an example. Like he's already the punchline. Like how do you? How do you make a joke out of that? Um, but th- they are still in publication. They still make uh, they still make satirical satirical columns. And so what I did is I put put together a little melange of uh, of real headlines and onion headlines. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask I'm gonna read out the headlines and ask you guys whether or not you think um, this is an onion headline or an actual real headline. Um, you might be familiar with some of these stories. You might not. Um, if it's a real headline, I, I'll see if I can give you a little bit of context on the actual story. 
And this, we're not playing for fun. We're playing for keeps. I know Mitch is intensely Ooh, competitive. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I I love. I I, I love to win. Um. Yeah. So. It's the goal. Yeah, so I uh, keep that in mind. So the way this is gonna work <laughs> is I am keeping track of scores. So I have a little notebook set up here with some columns. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a prize in mind. But maybe over the course of the years, we play more games. It's gonna be like a gateway. I mean the byliners champion and you'll get some something i don't know what but um we'll figure that out down the line but i am keeping score and so what's gonna what's gonna happen is i'm just gonna ask you all um one by one i'm gonna give you a headline and all you have to do is tell me whether it is an onion headline or an actual real news story super simple um i think we should keep it simple for the for the first game um but are you guys ready Hell yeah. All right. So I'm going to start with the actual order on my Zoom screen. So right now I have Mitchell going first, Kadra second, Adam best for last, maybe. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what? Yeah, let's do that. All right, Mitch. So you've already already talked smack. Talk about how much you love winning. Um, So we're going to give you the first headline. So the headline states, erectile dysfunction medication and antidepressants recalled after being packaged together in product mix-up. Is this oh a real headline or an onion headline? Oh, I, I so badly want that to be real because I think that's amazing. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say it is real. You're gonna that's go for real? That's energy. Yeah, that's 2020 energy. Let's 2020 get real. energy. You could argue that erectile dysfunction medication is a type of antidepressant, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's I a mean, joke for the 50 plus audience. That's a, that's a joke for our boomers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Target demographic. <laughs> exactly, man. We, we got something for everybody on the byline. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, Mitch, you said real and you are correct. Yeah, that is an actual headline that appeared wow. in USA. Nicely Today. done. So the story is AVKARE. It's a healthcare firm based out of Pul- Pulaski, Tennessee. Um, they had to recall that they'd actually accidentally mislabeled um, a package of erectile dysfunction medication and also some antidepressants and sleep aids. Um, overall, it only affected, I think, a thousand bottles of, uh, of the antidepressant and a hundred bottles of uh, the erectile dysfunction medication or whatever. Um, but yes, that is a real thing uh, which <laughs> happened in 2020. Um, Can we appreciate the fact that they got that mixed up with sleep agents? Can you yeah. imagine you're just like, I'm a kickback. I'm a, I'm a try and forget 2020. Let's just, let's just chill out here. Just pop a few pills. That's just a... You just have an eternal erection. <laughs> Can't sleep oh Ten- Tennessee. Tennessee's just vibing. The antidepression one makes sense because you know how... No. No, <laughs> oh, come on. It antidepressants. It makes you less horny. And so, you know, I feel like it wasn't it was an accident. Yeah. Okay. Science. Oh, fun fact. Done. I, I didn't yeah. know that. I don't um, know. I'm speaking from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just anyway, in case listeners Moving on. Uh, Kadra, <laughs> you're, you're coming up next. What? Kadra, you're oh. coming up next. Uh, so we have our second headline. This one, obviously, people have been doing a lot of online shopping, um, getting their Amazon packages delivered. Do you guys ever get nervous that someone's going to steal your packages off your front door? Not this year, but um, no. most, most years um, I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, my cousins had a few actually stolen from her. Um, but this is uh, along those veins. So the headline is, 
package thief makes off with an entire front porch. Um, so instead of just stealing a package, someone stole someone's entire front porch. Um, is this an onion headline or is this something um, which happened in real life in 2020? Do, do they mean the, the front porch of the Capitol building? Oh, yeah. <laughs> see? Oh. <laughs> no, nah, that, that's 2021 energy. Uh, oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm mixing yeah. up the, the yeah. tragedies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but Kadra, you have any. Wait, guesses? can you read it one more time? My Wi Fi is like bad. What was okay. that again? So the headline is Package Thief Makes Off with an Entire Front Porch. Is this a real headline or is this from The Onion? You know what? I'll say it's real because I like it. Kadra, you are sadly incorrect. That is an Darn onion it. headline. Um, honestly, I feel like this is probably something that just happened at some point. Like, I can't imagine someone's like, there must be some time somewhere someone came home and their porch was gone. I don't know why. but I hope so. I think that'd be so funny. Um, would you be angry at that? I feel like you'd have to have respect for that if someone stole your entire porch. Yeah. You know, if I'd someone stole home. my porch, I'd be so angry. Like, nah, the amount of time like... and effort you put into that, your blood, sweat, and tears into nailing those boards I mean, down. Well, like, now we know Adam builds his porches like a real man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just oh hire someone God. to do that. But <laughs> That's Adam, all the effort that thief put in, though. Like, yeah, I just exactly. Have to stand there and yeah, just but to like, undo my work. Like, just work. give a little like, applause. Like, I, I'd have to, like, it's like the applause for healthcare workers, just for thieves and bandits. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. If someone, if someone steals your front porch, that's the definition of like, man, you caught me slipping. Like you told me, I, was, <laughs> I didn't hear like the jackhammer. Someone takes it off the front porch. If you got away at the front porch, you deserve it. <laughs> oh, so, so what you're saying is I got to go right after recording this to secure my front porch. <laughs> yeah, man, secure yeah. your front porch. I mean, <laughs> probably. I mean, this is this is kind of on a bucket list now. I maybe... I'll find a good front porch to steal one day. Maybe I'll. Just kidding, <laughs> kidding though, Gateway listeners. We don't condone theft. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we only condone wholehearted uh, porch building activities. Yeah. <laughs> Build your porch. <laughs> okay, so right now we have Mitch in the lead, uh, one to nothing. There overall there are twelve questions. You're gonna see how far we do. Maybe I won't do all of them. We'll figure it out. Um, Adam, it is your turn. Oh boy. Um, all right, so this is our next headline. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. offers to get autism on camera to prove the danger of vaccines. So this is Robert Kennedy Jr. He's actually, I don't remember, I, I should have done the research. Who is Robert Kennedy Jr.? Is he like Kennedy's grandson or what is he? Um, For John F. Kennedy's sake, I hope not. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, the Kennedy family is so big at this point. Like, yeah. I just, it's just, it's just it's like sprawling. Like, who, like who's big? The, the Kardashians or the Kennedys? I have no idea. But apparently, he's an American <laughs> environmental lawyer. Oh, and anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist. Um, so uh, maybe that might give you a hint. But Robert Kennedy Jr. offers to get autism on camera to prove danger of vaccines. Is this a real um, clickbaity headline, or is this something from the Onion's offices, Adam? I, as sad as it is, I, I think this is true. So you think it's true? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really indicative of uh, of the state of 2020. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that is incorrect. Oh damn! Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Think about how hard it is to be the onion now. <laughs> you 
you make things and people can <laughs> well like i was i was talking about it with my brother who's a, a film studies student and yeah. like the 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 genre of political thriller is like effectively dead after 2020 yeah. like you know i remember like watching shows like you know the west wing or like house of designated cards. survivor well yeah rest in peace house of cards but <laughs> 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 but yeah you know like shows like that and then sitting back and being like holy cow like yeah i guess that could happen but like now it's like oh yeah I, i've seen that like it, yeah it, it can happen like <laughs> yeah I th- but I think what that headline really taps into is because I know when I heard about all these like different presidents and politicians saying, We're- I'll get the vaccine on camera. I'm like, do you really think an anti-vaxxer is going to believe that you're getting like the vaccine? Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I like, I don't know. I'm not they on know the, the Reddit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, it's sugar water. It's whatever. I don't know. But, um, but right now uh, it looks like Mitchell, you're the only one who came out of there unscathed. So one, one, nothing to Mitchell. Everyone else is, uh, is still playing catch up. But now we're going to go to, Round number two. Um, this one, okay, this one, hmm, I don't, I don't know if this one is, uh, I don't know the difficulty of this one. We'll see. So, Mitch, your next headline is mm-hmm. Priest shoots baby with water pistol to baptize it. Is this a Oh, I know this headline? one. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I was worried some people might have, okay. Uh, <laughs> this has, I, that's real. I'm so, like, social distancing. I fucking hope that's real. If not, and if so, I'm requesting a video of it. <laughs> um, and if you are a priest, I'm requesting that's the only way you baptize anyone from now on. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this one is actually okay. This one's a little bit complicated. So technically, it is real. This is real. Yes. So Mitch, you got that one. That's two, that's two for two right now. This was a meme that was going around earlier in the year. Yeah. I think Adam, you must have seen it. Yeah, um, I absolutely loved yeah. it. So um, the the priest's name was Father Stefan Classic. Um, but it turns Classic. out, <laughs> yeah. But it, it turns out that uh, that the the photo was actually just the parents asking to do like a little stage thing for fun. Um, he wasn't oh. actually baptizing oh, the kid yeah. with, the, with the water gun. Um, what a disappointment! So, yeah, oh. it's it's fake in a way, but uh, but I think honestly, I I know too many youth like potential youth pastors from uh from going to a Catholic school somehow, um, and I just know too many people that'd be willing to do that seriously oh, yeah, um, I and i damn that's yeah priests take notes dude you, you, you gotta make celibacy worth it somehow you know <laughs> to shoot babies with water pistols <laughs> all right on that I'm, note i'm sorry buddy i damn. don't know man i've like lost my filter over oh my god <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff this episode. <laughs> anyway okay moving on time to um kadra um, it's time for you to stage a comeback. I don't, if you don't get this one, I don't know uh, how you're going to do. Um, but the headline is lab assistant who accidentally poked themselves while preparing syringe is technically the first American to receive COVID-19 oh vaccine. This is hard. I'm sorry. I, 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 I kind of let Mitchell slide with the free with an easy one, but I'm gonna call racial bias for giving me all the <laughs> oh, 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 I want my people boy. to succeed, man. <laughs> I make it I make it hard for you. Because <laughs> I'm black because I love talk? you, Cadres. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is this one lab assistant accidentally poked themselves while preparing COVID, uh, while preparing mm-hmm. syringe is technically the first American to receive COVID-19 vaccine. Is this real or is this from the onion? 
But even if you poke yourself a syringe, I mean, you're not inserting it. You can poke yourself with syringes all day. But um, yeah, that's a good point. Or it could be a clickbaity headline, you know, just trying to get the clicks. Um, we're oh not above God. that. Oh my God, I'm I so bad that. at like dual like or binary tests. Okay. Um, <laughs> true or false is the bait of my existence. Uh, what is my gut telling me? What's your gut telling me? Okay, I think that this is true. I think this is a real headline published by... I think a... it's a stupid headline, but I feel like it's like something that people... Like something BuzzFeed would say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we love BuzzFeed. Like, I'm kidding. Um, Adam was nodding his head no. I'm Chandra, it appears... You think it's fake? I think it's fully an onion headline. Definitely, uh, I agree. And... Unfortunately, Kadra, they're both idea. correct. This is oh. a headline from The Onion. Uh, <laughs> virtual high five, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when I read that one, I was like, that really could have been... I, I could see some... like You know like when you read an article and there's like those little ones at the bottom of the page, like you won't believe what oh. Polly Cockin looks like now? <laughs> like those ones? Yeah. I can see this being one of those. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Honestly, can you imagine how much anger people would have over that with the vaccine rollout? That's just what I knew. I was like, that has to be an onion headline. People yeah. would have been so pissed. <laughs> that was true. But, but you know what? It would have been so emblematic of like just the whole vaccine pro- process <laughs> in 2020. Like that would have been so yes. fitting. I don't know if I would have been mad. I would have been just like, you know what? That's the state of where we are right now. It totally works. <laughs> All right. So as it stands, Mitchell is still the only person to get one right. Uh, let's see, Adam, can you break break that dominance? Mitch, Mitch came in talking a big game, but, but he's been doing it. He's been doing it. <laughs> Honestly, props to Mitch. I try. I try. Um, okay. So, Adam, this is uh, for you. See so you can get yourself on the board. Uh, the headline is, Man Blows Up His House trying to swat a fly is this a real headline or is this from the onion mm. that'd be tough to to blow up your entire house like unless it's just like some shitty construction um and yeah. some serious code violations um adam would know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hmm. I, I, you know what? Uh, let's risk it for the biscuit. I, I, I'm going to say that that is false. That is false. Mitchell is nodding. No, I, Mitch. I think that's real only because like, I, I, if it, if it is real, I'm willing to bet quite a bit of money. This is like in America. I could see some, I could see some like Tom and Jerry nonsense happening there. I'm going to be real. I mean, like, unless he uses his like shotgun to swap the fly. I mean, one day I'll invite you to a family reunion. I feel like I have family members that would do that. Oh man. So, Our, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like it looks like Mitch actually has an instinct for this because that was a real headline. I'm sorry. Oh Adam. my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this, <laughs> this like came out in like uh, September. <laughs> but uh an eighty a man in his eighties in France. Um so it says he was about to eat dinner when he became irritated by a fly buzzing around him. So he picked up his electric fly swatter. They started going for the fly, but uh, there was also a gas canister leaking in his home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, there was a reaction between the device and the gas <laughs> canister, causing an explosion. Oh um, it destroyed the kitchen and partly damaged the roof of the home. Um, it says after that, he had checked into a local <laughs> campsite while his family repaired the house. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> but, like, he was okay. Like, 
Yeah, I guess. A little, okay wow. enough to camp, but yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess props to the USA for not being that one. I'm like, yeah. surprised that's a, that's a France one. Yeah, man. Just shoddy, shoddy built homes in France, apparently. Um, Flies, be careful. <laughs> so, dang. So right now, Mitch is running away with it. I think if Mitch gets the next one, he's guaranteed to take the win. Um, no pressure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll this see. one, oh, hopefully this is hard enough. I, I know I kind of let you slide with the last one, but we'll see. Um, so this one is Shrek and the Dark Knight added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. <laughs> this, <laughs> um, <laughs> a real uh, headline or is this I, from The Onion? This is 100% real. I'm going to be honest. I feel like I almost have no doubt that I could see someone justifying adding Shrek. Shrek is a is a cultural touchstone. Um, and honestly, let's not act. This might be a really hot take. The National Film Registry already has pretty bad taste for what they, like, like they, 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 they get big movies, but, like, they also, like, like keep in mind that all the movies that they choose aren't necessarily good. They Didn't they also have Birth of a Nation in there? Like, one of the yeah, most racist Yeah, they did. Yeah. Ever. I think that was, like, the first movie ever played in the White House or something like that. It was. Yeah. Woodrow Wilson <laughs> was vibing. He was Gotta like, women want, like, equal vote. Maybe I'm gonna go watch KKK. KKK, yeah. So, Mitch, you're saying that is a real one. Do we, do we feel as though Shrek is? Do we hold Shrek that highly that it should be in the Library of Congress and the Dark Knight? Actually, I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that Shrek wasn't in there already. Yeah. <laughs> no, Shrek. Okay, I rewatched Shrek a couple weeks ago. Shrek holds up. Shrek one, like even though animation might have surpassed where it was at. Shrek One is a quality movie. Like, like, like Shrek Two isn't bad either. Honestly, I'm gonna be like, like I had someone play the entire soundtrack from Shrek Two to me over over Zoom once, not that long ago, and it was quite good. What? I'm here was for Shrek. Whole, was that the purpose of the call? Uh, no, no, but it was. You know, it came up in convo. We were talking about songs, <laughs> and someone was like, "Did you ever just listen to I'm the Hero?" And I was like, oh. I, "I do." And they, they're like, I "No, do. Shrek." <laughs> The Shrek version. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. silly me. I was listening to to the OG version with um oh what's her name? I can see her. Uh, it's some 80s star with a huge, like huge Sharon? head of hair. Bonnie Tyler? Or no, no, Yeah, no. T- Tyler, whatever her Bonnie Tyler? Bonnie Tyler, yeah, that's it, yeah. Alright, so Mitch, you said that is real and Mitch. That is correct. That is a real headline uh, taken from Variety magazine. So, yeah, in 2020, Shrek, The Dark Knight, Grease, The Blues Brothers, uh, The Hurt Locker, and A Clockwork Orange, among other films, were added to the national the film Hurt Locker. Yeah. <laughs> As if they haven't already taken enough from Avatar. Um. Um, Adam looks a little confused. Do you not? I'm pretty sure the Hurt Locker won uh, Best Picture that year, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very controversial thing. Um, I just remember that was the first movie where they where they said that they were actually going to prosecute people who like downloaded it illegally, and I was like, Yeah, thank God I don't have a thing for um Iraq War. I don't know. (laughs) What was that movie about? (laughs) Was no, wasn't it about um was it Iraq or Afghanistan? I don't know. It's all the same. No, it's not, it's not really. Is <laughs> it? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not to George Bush, yeah, but I mean, yeah. to us here at the Gateway, we hold them. 
Um, so it looks like Mitch has actually clinched it already. Um, Kadra and Adam really didn't put up any resistance. <laughs> Mitch kind of said, I'm going to win this. And then he came in and took it. <laughs> I- I'm just going to say in defense of Kadra and I, as, as news journalists, what we do is we consult with our sources to see if things are <laughs> accurate or not. And so uh, that's that's why we, we yeah, did exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to say, though, I think... Also, opinion. I, I feel like I spend a lot more of my day writing satire satire headlines than than both uh, Kadra and yeah. Adam in their defense. Mitch has an Although, I mean, I, I'm surprised we didn't put the ultimate headline in there, which was a uh, you know student calls out consultation process. Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, a good example would have been. Um, the the headline that we wrote where our student union president uh last year was being uh it was at the center of like a she was impersonated by like a a scandal like or jesus what what, what am i saying like a bot like hank shabatnagar was uh like extorting people for money like not the real person but like someone pretending to be her like they were saying that like oh you need to give us this deposit and then we'll send you an award for your contributions at the u of a and whatnot and they like stole her profile picture and whatnot but that was a real story damn okay well i'm gonna give oh sorry Oh, I was gonna say people are really committed to fraud through the SU apparently. That's wild. <laughs> hey man, um, scam- scammers gonna scam. But uh <laughs> I'm gonna give Kadra and Adam, I'll give you guys both one more. See if you can get up on the board. Oh, we oh, wrapped it up. We're gonna see if uh... <laughs> I thought we were done. Nah, this is this is this is the race for last. Oh, we, we don't boy. pick winners, okay, but we also pick losers. <laughs> we have a loser. Oh, oh man, all right. So Kadra, this oh. is your this is your last oh. shot to make something of yourself. Um, <laughs> okay. So, desperate. This is the headline: Desperate AMC movie theater advertises itself as a nice, dark place for teens to rub each other's genitals. Oh my god! That is well, a... <laughs> it has to be fake. Um, I don't to rub genitals. Yeah, rub genitals. Rub That's each other's genitals. Not rub their Honestly, own genitals. I'm gonna genitals. Do movie theaters. They're, they they need any sort of business at this point. Adam, but I'm letting that you kind of business. <laughs> Adam, as a as editor in chief, I'm letting you. I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna find an excuse to use generals in a headline now. So <laughs> oh boy. All right, so Kadra, okay. do you think this is real? Do you think movie theater? I've gone true well? for two times, so I'm gonna say I don't know. This doesn't seem very responsible. Like, what would they be satirizing if if that was like an onion article? Yeah, I guess maybe I mean, just how, how desperate movie theaters have got that it's like you can come here and. Uh, I mean, if you've gone to <laughs> movie theater sure. at like a certain time of night, you know. You know. Gonna, um, I don't right. know. Yeah. I don't know. In my Bible belt, do not know. Another one for the over 50 demographic? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, right, Kendra, what's your answer? I'm gonna say what is false. <laughs> false? You think so? You think it's from the Onion? Yeah. Kendra, but I don't really care at this point. Hey, hey, hey! I put a lot of effort into this game. What the uh, hell? <laughs> you know what? I played this game in grade eight social. I appreciate you so much for my grade eight social teacher. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Damn. I actually, I'm, I'm, yeah, I kind of hurt you. You kind of just called me a hack. But um, <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, begrudgingly, you are correct, Kadra. So you did get oh, yourself wow. on the board. This is um, a headline from The Onion. Um, but who knows? Might wow. be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Who knows what movie theaters are going to be doing pretty soon. Um, it's kind of hard to okay. pivot. But... Now I care, Tom. Now I care. All right, so Adam. <laughs> Adam, this one is really for all the marbles. Right now, you are dead last. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I just want to say that, you know, as editor in chief, you know, I, I have all the marbles like I, I am where I want to be. So this game, like whether I win or lose, I'm, I'm still happy with myself. Okay. Adam also doesn't care. That's a, I mean, that's a, you know, Adam's bringing it back. Adam's Adam's EIC. He's graduating. This <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. All right. Let's bring it on. This one, this one is short and sweet. Subway bread is not bread. Irish court rules. So an Irish court rule that Subway bread is not bread. Is this a real headline or is this something? Is this an, another attack by the onion on, on Subway? I think it's real. You think it's real? What are our feelings? Mitch, you're also going real. I, I actually, real? yeah, we can. You have to announce the answer first. I, I can actually enter a story about this. Okay. I mean, well, like when you when you go to the students' union building and you go to that coveted <laughs> subway and you look into that oven, quote unquote, and you just see the magic of that bread rising. There's no way that that is real bread. Having tried to bake a lot of bread this pandemic, there's no way that it rises so beautifully, so crisply, and so perfectly. I like, mean, also I don't that, know. The bread and the bread and sub this uh, uh, the bread in the sub building this time around has actually probably survived a pandemic better than we have. Like, it probably has the cure. Up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the answer is, um, Adam, you are correct this oh great real headline i feel so the irish court part might have given it away if i just left it as a, a court rules um but adam you are correct it looks like you and kadra are tied for last place so the story um it did come out of ireland but um man some people are so stingy so apparently what was happening is subway um was trying to argue that their bread is a staple food um so that includes bread uh bread tea coffee cocoa milk um, and meat and eggs because staple foods are exempt from Ireland's value added tax. Um, so they're trying to say this is a staple food, but uh, apparently a judge ruled that because Subway's bread contains five times as much sugar as, as regular bread, it is technically uh, not bread. So mm. fun fact, I actually pitched this out at one of my opinion meetings. Oh. So that's why I know this uh, oh, I was like, I was like, I literally were trying to explain this to people being like, Subway bread isn't real bread, according to, to uh, Ireland. Now there is their chicken. Their chicken's not real, real chicken either. Do you remember I hearing mean, that thing about McDonald's crunchy. where people were saying that, um, that they created a company called like 100% Canadian beef? And so it's like so then so then when they're advertising made like made from 100% Canadian beef it was just like that's the name of the company <laughs> they created well, beef itself was not actually like purely beef it was like some sort of mix there was an actual scandal during uh, another headline that was lost in COVID-19 year but um I don't know if you remember but like when the first lockdowns were hitting in around April or or Mayish um all of a sudden in all the McDonald's Canada ads they they stopped putting uh, made from 100% Canadian beef on them. And I forget who it was. I think it was maybe the Narwhal or, or somewhere. I, I Don't quote me on that. I, I forget what investigative journalism outlet uh, covered this, but they started asking, why is that? Why did that all of a sudden disappear in all the advertisements? And the fact was, is that 
Canadian farmers, because of the COVID restrictions, were not producing as much beef. And so McDonald's Canada was forced to get beef from around the world, from the U.S. and other countries, to supplement uh, the Canadians' need for Big Macs during the pandemic. Um, and so they couldn't actually say that it's made from 100% Canadian beef because they were short Canadian beef and patties were being made with beef from around the world. So it's kind of interesting that this is an example of a corporation not lying, um, something that uh, unfortunately our Alberta government can't, uh, can't have Ooh. that claim to fame. One last shot <laughs> before the episode ends. <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> there's never the shots on the alberta government never stop um, oh yeah the the byliners where we we lay the punches you know um yeah but so that that is the end of the first ever um edition of tom's game or apparently cadre's <laughs> cadre's eighth grade teacher's game that tom stole and is now repurposing yeah. for himself and no one cares about it okay Mr. but i guess that doesn't, yeah That's that doesn't Mr. really Mr. roll Mitchley. off the tongue honestly <laughs> tom don't who cares about mr michley all right <laughs> Guys, this is the first podcast of the year. We got to stay together. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, so that's the end of the game and uh, the first episode of 2021 um, of the Byliners. So, you know, like I said before, um, we obviously want this to be a big year for the Byliners. So just keep an eye on the website um, and the podcast feed and the Instagram. We want to include you, uh, the listener, more. Um, it's your future episodes and, and just include more things like be it games or interviews. Um, but we're hoping to have a fun year, even if it's uh, it's a socially distanced one. Um, so that is all for today. Does everybody want to want to say goodbye to sign off? Yeah. Bye listeners. Bye. Bye. The only you're you're the only part of 2021 this semester that I'm looking forward to is talking to you guys every week. And that is very sincere because I online school drives me crazy so i'm, I'm very excited to, to start 2021 off right cadre do you care enough to say bye or you just wow <laughs> just okay tom <laughs> uh, <laughs> goodbye adam what do you think All right. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I'm not gonna comment on that point but i'm just okay. gonna say uh thanks for, thanks for having me again as a, a special guest and uh i always look forward to listening to the byliners it's uh, one of the best parts of the week. So thanks for all that you all do. Thank you. All right, everybody. I'll see you later. Not sure.